Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Hello, hello, and welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. On this week's episode, Rachel tells us how she went from shots to shakes. Rachel also takes us down the path of a mental health advocate and what that looks like. So let's get into Rachel's story. Let's go. Rachel, I am so excited to talk to you. Thank Me you so too. Much. Thank you so much. So stoked to ask you too, all dude. my questions. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> so where are you Are you calling from today? I'm calling from North Carolina. That's where we live currently. Mm. So Eastern Standard Time is kind of annoying. I'm, I'm originally from California too, so I'm totally not. <laughs> oh, right on. Where uh, in California? I'm, I'm from Temecula. So it's between LA and San Diego. So yeah, I always say I I'm from exactly. Los Angeles just because it's easier. I went to school in Los Angeles, so it's just easier to say like, "Oh yeah, I'm from LA." People think you're cool, but um, <laughs> I was uh, born and raised. I was born and raised in Southern California, so I kind of just use that as a blanket statement. Right. I mean, LA County is so huge. This magical place that just keeps I know. on growing well, I didn't and expanding. Realize, yeah. Well, I didn't realize how many different cities there were until I actually went to college there. Because I said, "Oh yeah, I, I'm going to be in, in Los Angeles." People say where? where? Be like Los Angeles. Like no, 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 no. Yeah. Where? <laughs> yeah, it's a huge, huge place. So Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about your story? I know you from Instagram, and your handle is mm-hmm. Shots to Shakes. So yeah. can you tell us how you went from shots to shakes? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I know it's 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 kind of corny, but I loved it. But um, so no, I guess adorable. the Oh, thank you. The um, first time I always kind of start out with um, my upbringing, especially high school and middle school. So mm-hmm. I actually didn't start drinking. Um, I wasn't a huge partier at all in high school. I was actually very sheltered. And I think that had a lot to do with um, me kind of uh, just we lived in wine country. So I never really went out just because I lived pretty much pretty much in the middle of nowhere. So I didn't really have um, a social circle that I could just go to parties with. So when I ended up, when I ended up trying alcohol for the first time and getting drunk, I just went absolutely like pedal to the metal. Um, the first two times I got drunk, actually, it was just, it wasn't, you know, having a beer or something. I went just balls to the wall, just as many drinks as I could in one sitting. And I actually ended wow. up getting extremely sick both times, just barfing everywhere. Glow, so lovely. But, um, mm-hmm. you would think that would make me kind of like, oh, maybe this isn't for me, but, uh, <laughs> it right. absolutely did not stop me whatsoever. And so 
um, the main kind of problematic drinking, I guess, was when I got to college. So I was, I wasn't the most popular in high school. I didn't go to many parties. So when I saw college, um, especially in Los Angeles, I was just like, mm-hmm. oh yes, like this is time to shine. I'm going to be able to go to all these parties, make all these friends, um, see all these guys. And it just kind of consumed my life. And I kind of, I started to equate drinking with social currency. So Mm. I saw it as, okay, well, as long as I pregame with everyone, get drunk, um, kind of put myself out there to be seen, I'm going to be seen as, you know, attractive, worthy, popular, loved, all that good stuff that kind of, um, we, we all aspire to have. But I definitely equated drinking with that. So for me, it was really easy for me to kind of joke around like, oh, yeah, like everyone gets hammered all the time. Everyone in college gets hammered all the time. It's not it's not alcoholism until you graduate kind of thing, <laughs> which was right. um, a pretty common phrase for us. And it started getting to the point actually pretty early on where I would... I always said I had the worst luck of my friend group because I'd be the one always getting in trouble. I'd be written up by the campus police. I would have all these things that I thought were just bad luck happen to me. And it really didn't occur to me that maybe it was the way that I was drinking and the way that I acted while I was absolutely just blitzed out of my mind. That didn't really um, come to me as a consideration until way down the road in college when it started to become more of a pattern. Um, I would do the whole thing where you try to moderate, kind of create rules for yourself. Like, okay, well, I'll only have wine tonight or I'll, right. I'll stop after X amount of drinks, which of course for me, once I start drinking, that's, that's not, <laughs> that's not a thing. It's the floodgates right. just open, I say. And it got to a point where, um, I had to end up going to student psychological services just because a lot of just different forms of trauma would happen and I would suppress it while sober. So when I got drunk, all this just raw emotion would come out like anger, sadness. I was definitely a uh, a crying drunk, (laughs) as many of my friends know me as. Yeah. And it just got to a point where um, it was very clear that this wasn't me just wanting to get drunk just to get drunk. It was a very, there was a very, um, it was not as surface level as I thought it was. So I definitely struggled with that a lot through college, especially thinking at the time I thought I considered, you know, stopping drinking. I considered getting sober, but with the way that my social life was built up and the way that I kind of idolized this whole party culture, I was like, there's no way I could ever give up alcohol because like, what would I do? What would I do on weekends? Like, what would I how would I bond with friends? How would I meet people? Right. So in college, it was, right. it was a very, um, it was, a, it was, it was a nice, nice thing to think about getting sober and, you know, not having all these, all these shit show problems. But, um, I just, it just wasn't in the cards for me at the time. And then when I, um, graduated from college and I started working a lot, um, my drinking did decrease just because I was just working so much and I didn't really have a social life. I was really caught up in my job. But when we came, I ended up marrying my now husband and I moved across the country for the military. He's in the military. Oh, wow. And I kind of ended up going back into those drinking habits because we started, I started having a friend group again and they were very active in the whole drinking culture. So I thought, okay, like I know how to do this. This is my time to shine. And it still fell into the same problematic attitudes. And I 
I always say that my recovery journey started in January of 2016. Um, I definitely have had a lot of slip-ups and mishaps uh, leading up till this present moment, but it definitely allowed me, especially with the creation of the whole Shots to Shakes thing, mm-hmm. um, just to be able to have and develop a community of people in recovery, people that were even you know considering recovery, just to have all of these people that I've met online to kind of let me know like, Hey, you're not the only one who feels like this. You're not the only one who wonders if there's life beyond the bottle, so to speak. And, um, yeah. I've definitely have kind of just embraced that recovery community with all of my heart because they have definitely affirmed to me that even when it does seem like, you know, I'm the only one that has all this screwed upness when it comes to addiction and mental health that, uh, people, people have my back and I definitely have theirs. So that is kind of a snippet as to how it has led me to be who I am today. But um, it's it's definitely uh, been a long road. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love how you say drinking was basically your social currency. Like, I, I love that. I love that analogy. And it's so true, especially for kids in college. Like, they think that that's their only yeah. option, you know, to be cool, to fit in. You kind of have to participate in drinking or drinking games or, you know, you're going to be passed out probably on the lawn getting, you know, sprayed by a sprinkler yeah. once or twice in your life. <laughs> you know, it, it's just like, <laughs> no, they, <yeah. laughs> it's like, it's not all par for the course. It doesn't need to be that way. And like, oh my God, an emotional drunk. Absolutely, dude. Like I can totally, totally relate with that. Like I was such a nightmare too. Like, Anger, hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Woo. Oh yeah. And then it doesn't um, it doesn't help either that, you know. I'm sorry, go ahead. No. No, you're right. It doesn't help at all. <laughs> what I was gonna ask you, how did you finally like you you know, you mentioned in college that sober would be a great idea, but how did you actually execute getting sober? So for me, I had to do a, a lot of white knuckling, as they call it at first. Um Okay. Just because I I was under the false impression that, you know, once you only cut alcohol out of your life, then that's going to help everything. So right. I thought, okay, like, as long as I stop drinking, everything should be fine. But right. I, at the time, really didn't understand the whole concept of recovery. And you actually have to work on yourself and figure out why you started drinking in the first place and actually feel feelings. Like, who wants to do that? Yeah. So for me... For me, it was, uh, it was definitely hit or miss. Like, I'm definitely an example of how recovery doesn't have to be like, oh, one day she decided to get sober and then lived happily ever after because that's absolutely not the case. Oh um, my God. That's such bullshit. So for me, <laughs> yeah. it really is. It's, it's, it's like, a huge. So yeah. for me, um, at first I was white knuckling a lot and, uh, it definitely opened my eyes to how people respond to sobriety, which was, really necessary just because it allowed me to develop a lot of tools in terms of dealing with social social situations where people might be drinking around you and you still want to hang out with your friends. You don't want to isolate. So that definitely taught me some good tools, but it wasn't until I uh, checked myself into rehab last October, actually about, about a year from this week, actually, that I checked into rehab, went there for a full month. Um, and I learned a lot more about things like triggers, things like setting boundaries, um, a lot of things that people don't necessarily equate with sobriety and recovery. Um, just because for a lot of us, I've learned that people that have, you know, 
the drinking problems or people that drink for the wrong reasons, I guess. They do it because they don't want to deal with certain problems such as, you know, feeling feelings or dealing with um, maybe turbulent relationships, whether that's romantic or friendships. And it really added another layer to my recovery and la- add another layer of empowerment to why I stay sober. Mm-hmm. Just because now I can, fo- I can fully say, Hey, I stay sober because I'm able to make friendship more. I'm, I'm able to make more deeply connected friendships. I'm able to have a better relationship with my husband. Um, all these reasons that you wouldn't necessarily think have to do with drinking, but mm-hmm. it absolutely does, especially, or at least for my case. So that's when it really started to click. And that's when I really started to um, deal with the hard parts of recovery, which there definitely are, but it allowed me to mm-hmm. kind of remind myself why I'm doing it and not just, you know, think, oh, well, I, I'm bad when I drink, so I can't drink because that right. obviously doesn't, that doesn't really, you know, have the, uh, the depth as to what I have found now. Absolutely. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. I mean, just coming from like, oh, you can't do this or, you know, limiting yourself doesn't really, it doesn't kind of round it out, you know, like it doesn't really yeah. cover it all. No, not at all. And for me, the main thing was to kind of shift it from, because I always used to say that whenever I would choose to stay sober, I almost felt like a toddler in timeout. Like I kind of lost my privilege to drink, um, totally. which is total BS. Yes. <laughs> and yes. so, yeah. So, so to be able to go from that to, and shift that to a, a point of empowerment, like I choose not to drink because I, I, I cherish how I am sober and I cherish being able to, you know, heal myself while sober. Like that is, it has made all the difference. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love that empowerment. <laughs> yes. Like that's the perfect way to describe it. I, I love that. And it's a choice. Like how sexy yes. and like powerful and strong is that? I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash ASGG. That is some hot shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. It, it definitely have it. It definitely sounds sexy. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh my god, that's great. Okay, so you did the rehab thing. That's awesome. Life skills, mm-hmm. killing it. How do you maintain your sobriety, basically, like day to day? Like, what practices you know keep you on the up and up? The main thing that helps with maintaining sobriety is well first of all obviously the recovery community that I do with social media and all that mm-hmm. obviously I you know try not to you know base my whole recovery philosophy I guess into social media because that is you know you don't want to depend on social media for everything but definitely kind of um listening to readings listening to podcasts um being able to kind of uh one thing that has absolutely helped me a lot in terms of um, the social aspect of it, at least, is planning ahead and having an escape plan. So mm. I have actually had a lot of um, different social activities within the past few weeks just because uh, of the holidays approaching, Halloween approaching. And so mm. for me, uh, what I would used to do is kind of, like I said, white knuckle it and kind of hope for the best. And right. now what has really helped um, on at least a week to week basis is sitting down with my husband saying, OK, what what social events do we have coming up? Um, you know, who, who's going to be there? Who can I rely on kind of like as a sober buddy? Um, just stuff like that, just to be able to kind of plan ahead and not necessarily, you know, have everyone stay sober for me because that's just unrealistic, but just to be able to gauge as to whether it's going to be super triggering for me. Um, is it going to be laid back? So just to be able to do that, it really helps in terms of just kind of prepping my mind and saying, okay, do I need to really lean into, you know, readings on recovery? Do I need to um, just have have a lot of alone time for myself to recharge? Mm-hmm. So just being very aware of my basic needs and self-care has been really great in terms of maintaining sobriety, just because, again, it puts me in a place of empowerment rather than, you know, kind of... Um, just go into a party without any prior knowledge or prior self-care and just kind of hope for the best, uh, right. <laughs> which obviously <laughs> is not the best idea. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should definitely not wing it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the hard way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, in terms of that, just kind of filling up your cup, as they say, with the whole self-care thing. I know it has been, mm-hmm. Um, kind of drilled into the ground with uh, Instagram, but it is absolutely crucial. I heard this really great quote the other day, um, such as success, you know, how you have to plan for your success. You also should be planning for your happiness. Do you agree with that? Like taking steps, you know, to, to do the self-care stuff, to, you know, talk to your spouse, talk to your partner, you know, have those open lines of communication and really kind of plan for your happiness, set yourself up to thrive. Yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize how much it ties into not even not even sobriety or recovery, but just Mm -hmm. social situations as a whole, just to be able to kind of ask yourself like, okay, is this does this feel like an obligation that I have to go to? 
or do I genuinely want to see these people? Like I definitely have noticed that I'm much more selective in the people that I hang out with. And that's not necessarily, you know, a snobby thing at all. It's just more of a, right. okay, I've noticed that these people drain me. So I'm not, I'm going to, you know, distance myself. And, um, I think a lot of people, even if they aren't in recovery, they could definitely take a few notes from that. Just be able to kind of assess, okay, am I, am I at this party just because I'm, you know, I have FOMO, which right. obviously <laughs> is, <laughs> I'm no stranger to that. Oh yeah. It's um, real. It's alive. <laughs> Yeah, it's so real. So, but to be able to, you know, learn and recognize that you can plan for your happiness and plan Mm -hmm. self care and all of that good stuff, um, you end up feeling a lot better doing that stuff than you would just going to a party just because you, you know, feel obligated to. Right. Yeah, absolutely. On the topic of self care, what is your self care routine? What do you like to do for yourself? It has actually shifted a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always used working out as a huge form of self-care just because um, obviously of the physical effects, the whole endorphins, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also learned pretty, uh, pretty recently, actually, that even just, uh, you know, the kind of, I always choke as like the grandma stuff, like reading a book or, you know, taking a nap <laughs> like that. It's, that stuff um, has just as much. Uh... When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Pizzazz, I guess you could say, as going to the gym, um, because <laughs> it's just, I, I know. <laughs> Pizzazz, I love but, that. Um, That's great. I, yeah, it just came, it just came out, <laughs> but, um, stuff like that, um, playing with my dog, she is a handful, but she is, she does bring a lot of joy to my life yeah. and, um, just hanging out with my husband and, you know, a while ago I would have definitely thought those were kind of boring things, I guess you could say, or run in the mill, but yeah. when you do look at it from a weekly perspective, it does recharge me a lot. Like I've definitely noticed that if I don't do those things, I do get very cranky. I want to uh, isolate all that stuff. So it's, 
it's definitely having, making sure, like I said before, making sure it fits into your routine and it has Mm -hmm. definitely made all the difference. That's great. Let's talk about your husband for a little bit, if you don't mind. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sure. How did you guys meet? So we don't remember how we met. (laughs) Oh, okay. We always, no, we, 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 we think it's a frat party. We think it's a frat party. He was in a fraternity. I was in a sorority. So that's literally the only reason we had mutual friends. Um, so we think we met at a frat party. We deduced from the Facebook friend, friending time that it was around that time. And, um, but yeah, it was senior year of college, um, second semester. So super last minute. And it was actually at a really, um, pivotal moment of my college career because by that point I had already known for a while that my drinking was a huge problem Mm -hmm. and he was very patient with me he he knew a lot about me um a lot of people a lot of people like to talk about me in college um so he was very aware of what he was getting himself into I guess okay and to be able to have him you know see all this stuff that people were saying about me, see obviously all the issues that I was dealing with and to be able to say, I'm, I accept you for who you are. Right. Um, I don't understand necessarily what you're going through, but I will be here for you through it. That's when I realized like, okay, this guy, this guy's a good egg. <laughs> like this guy yeah. definitely has good head shoulders. And um, he is in the air force. So I knew that we were going to have to deal with long distance and stuff like that. But there was just something inside of me that said, Hey, this guy, like he knows what's up. He knows, he knows how to look at a person regardless of what, you know, their surface image maybe, and just always see see the good in people. Mm -hmm. And that's what really drew me to him. So we ended up doing, um, long distance for about a year out of college. And then we, um, got engaged, obviously did Mm -hmm. a few more months long distance and then I moved cross country to country to be with him. And we've been married for, I want to say about two and a half years now. Congratulations. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he's a good one. I, I got a good one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So does he drink? What is that dynamic? He does drink, uh, mm-hmm. very rarely though. He's, he's blessed to be able to drink when he wants and stop when he wants, which right. I will forever be jealous of. Oh, what's <laughs> no. that like? But, uh, <laughs> Right. That's a fascinating <laughs> no, idea. He's, um, I know, <laughs> but he's been always very considerate in terms mm-hmm. of, um, you know, asking me like, Hey, is it cool if I drink in front of you? Which I always reply yes, because he's not, right. he's not rowdy. He doesn't get belligerent, which is awesome. Um, and no, he, he's very, he doesn't care whether or not he, he's not the kind of person to say, Oh, I'm out of, I'm at a party. I must drink. Right. Kind of person. So he actually was able to kind of set an example for me even before I did consider going sober. Right. Just because he kind of pointed out to me the, in, the incongruity of, Hey, like not everyone drinks like you do, Rach. And I'm all, what? What? <laughs> so what do you mean? Everyone so, is exactly like me. <laughs> yeah, everyone blacks out on the regular. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. Uh, no, he's been he's been nothing more than supportive of my um recovery journey. And he definitely is very considerate in terms of asking, you know, is it cool if I drink in front of you? Um we're gonna be going to a place where there's gonna be drinking. Is that cool with you? Like he's very uh conscientious of me, which is amazing. Very sweet. He sounds very lovely yeah. and very open and respectful, which is oh yeah. Amazing. 
to have in a relationship. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so I wanted to ask you about mental health. Now it says on your mm-hmm. profile, your Instagram profile, that you're a mental health advocate. What does that mm-hmm. mean? And what does that look like to you? The first priority, whenever I talk about mental health on my account mm-hmm. is my own journey. Just because, I mean, it is my brain. I deal with it on a daily basis. Right. <laughs> so for me, the main thing I always am, I try to be open with at least is my, um, living with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very adamant about showing both the good and the bad sides of it. So I, ju- I share, you know, recovery wins like, Oh, I was able to, um, manage my depression by doing XYZ. Right. And then at the same time, I'm also a huge, um, uh, advocate because I, I try my best to, uh, kind of break the stigma that I do feel is still very prevalent in, um, especially social media, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm whenever I always talk about the talking point of whenever there is, you know, a celebrity death or something in the news that brings up the topic of mental health. Right. Um, a lot of people, you know, they, they try to be, you know, they try to encourage, you know, to reach out and all that stuff, which is awesome. But I think the conversation needs to go much more deep than, you know, a celebrity overdose or something of that matter, just because people do deal with this on a daily basis. And I feel like a lot of people are still scared to reach out to their friends and family just because they are afraid of being judged. They're afraid of misinformation kind of creating this darker picture than maybe what is there. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm trying to normalize mental health and mental illness and just normalize being able to, you know, talk about it as if it's, you know, saying on Facebook, like, Oh darn, like I have a cold today. Right. You know what I mean? Like just to be able to say like, Oh, you know, I am really, you know, my anxiety is acting up, but this is how I'm dealing with it. Like just, Like, just like I said, just talking as if it's, you know, oh, I have a a physical illness and this is how I'm dealing with it. Just to make sure it's, um, more solution based. Like, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I feel like, I mean, obviously everyone isn't going to be as proactive with me, which is totally fine. That's their journey. But for me, I always, even when I, whenever I post, I always, no matter how negative the message may be, I always try to add a glimmer of hope or at least some sort of way I am getting through it. Just because I feel like it is so, it's so easy to look at people with mental illness. And if you have misinformation about them, think, oh, well, they're always complaining about it. They're always, they're whining about it. And for me, one of my main ways I'm trying to kind of combat that stigma is saying, hey, like we are perfectly aware of how we sound and, you know, we are trying our best. And I just, um, as long if I can be a voice for that and if it, you know, it helps shift the perspective of someone that might not necessarily live with mental illness or not know anything about it, then that is perfectly fine with me. That's awesome. I love that. Do you think that terms like anxiety and depression, do you think they're a little overgeneralized, especially by people who don't actually experience them? You know, I feel like the word anxiety is just used so loosely now. To someone like I suffer really bad anxiety attacks. And so to me, when someone is just kind of like not making fun of it, but making light of anxiety, it's a little Mm -hmm. bit frustrating. Oh, yeah. No, I completely agree. You know what I mean? It's Um, like, I feel uh, like, have you had an anxiety attack? Yeah. Yeah, Like you have no idea, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I you know, just I want me to breathe agree. and it'll I feel be all like... over? Great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right? Fuck, I wish it was no, that easy. I absolutely, no, I totally agree. I feel like it's almost, I don't want to say trendy per se, but no, you're I feel like totally it right. is. Definitely. Yeah, it's very trendy for people these days to kind of use those terms and kind of use them almost as a marketing tool I feel like especially like I'm about I'm about, I'm about to drop some drop some tea here but no, I've it. noticed that a lot of well, <laughs> I've noticed a lot of people in like the health guru realm whatever for social media mm-hmm. have been kind of throwing you know anxiety buster or depression buster yeah or whatever to kind of market these products and I'm definitely I mean I know that people obviously like it's totally normal to, you know, feel anxious for, you know, anxiety ridden events, like before a big test or before a big day, like that's total, that everyone gets that. Or it's totally normal for someone to feel, you know, depressed, uh, you know, really sad, bad days, whatever. But when people start entangling those moments with actually actual chronic mental illness, then that's when I feel like a lot of people start to think, oh, like all people with depression or say, when people, when people say that they're depressed or they have anxiety, they're just complaining or they're just, you know, they're just yes. whining or whatever. And I feel like that has gotten to a point where even if someone with, you know, a diagnosed mental illness d- tries to talk about it, people already see it as this, you know, just, just overwashed, overused word that's used all the time. So they don't even take it seriously. So yeah, I feel like it's a lot of, um, it's a, it's a responsibility for everyone who, you know, wants to be an influencer on social media to be very, very, um, selective of how they portray, you know, whatever they're trying to sell, whether that's in health or what mental illness or anything like that. So, uh, to wrap that up. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you on that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's almost like it, people are desensitized, you know, by, by these Mm -hmm. big, somewhat clinical words when like, there really needs to be some word clearance on what this actually means and what it feels like. And God, like to experience it is another level. Like it's hard to put into words, to be honest, like describing an anxiety Mm -hmm. attack is brutal. It's and it's not just going to be fixed by a pill or chanting some words or some product or, you know, sometimes you just don't even have the energy to go and do yoga. So how can you do an anxiety geared yoga practice or meditation? Do you know what I mean? It's just like, come on. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. What advice mm-hmm. would you give to someone listening to this podcast right now who is either thinking about getting sober, who is sober, you know, any tidbit of advice you could pass along to our listeners. The main point, I guess, I'd like to drive home for anyone considering getting sober is to write down a list of reasons why you think getting sober would be better. Um, mm. For me, a really, a really um, powerful thing I did when I was actually still a senior in college is I wrote down the benefits of not drinking for me. Um, so you know, at first, at first it was very superficial reasons like, oh, my skin would be better or I'd lose weight or right. I would save money or, um, which are all very obviously great reasons. Right. But then it, it started to get much deeper, like, oh, I'll be able to process, um, traumatic experience that happened to me without, you know, feeling like, 
I'm just effing myself over by drinking about it. Um, just very, um, a lot, like I was saying before earlier in the podcast reasons that you would never, you would never necessarily equate with drinking. So mm-hmm. one thing that I would definitely recommend for someone trying to get sober is to ask yourself why you're even considering it. Um, is it for superficial reasons? Is it because you want to work more on yourself and your mindset and your mental health? There are a ton of reasons people get sober. Obviously, it's not necessarily you have to be an alcoholic or anything right. like that. It could be because you're training for a marathon. It could be because you're pregnant, like a ton of reasons. But I think if someone is considering getting sober, then, you know, in a weird way, they already know the answer. Yeah. So for for me, yeah. So for me, you know, asking myself, would I be happier if I were sober? I think a part of me kind of said, you know, in my, in my subconscious mind, like, yeah, you, you already know that you would be happier. So just to be able to put that on paper and, you know, you, you don't have to look at it every day. You don't have to, you know, recite it as a mantra, but just to be able to write that down and, you know, there, if there are times where you think, like you, you second guess yourself, um, even just looking at that little list definitely was very empowering. Even it was a tiny, tiny little victory for me, but it definitely did help in my early sobriety. For sure. I love that. That's great advice. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and your amazing advice and wisdom. And I love it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Also, uh, before we go, can you tell everyone where they can find you on the World Wide Web? Yes. So my main social media channel is Instagram at Shots to Shakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have an email if anyone feels like they need to reach out to me, which is Shots to Shakes at gmail.com. Um, I always have an open ear, open I, I guess for reading, (laughs) but yeah, those are the two main. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Absolutely. How lovely is Rachel? I love her story and I love what she's doing. Mental health is key and it does not discriminate. So big up to Rachel and being a mental health advocate. As always, Thank you so much for listening. Couldn't do this without your love and support. Please make sure to comment, rate, subscribe, and let me know how you like the podcast. I love hearing feedback from you guys. And don't forget to check us out on social media. You can check out the blog at asobergirlsguide.com, on Instagram and Facebook at asobergirlsguide. Have a great day!